everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back. This is your go-to podcast for anyone craving fresh ways to apply God's Word to your everyday life. All month, I'm sharing from my latest Bible study, Fearless Ordinary Women of the Bible Who Dare to Do Extraordinary Things in our series, Find Your Fearless. Guys, I cannot think of a more timely message right now while so many of us are understandably concerned about what we're facing with the coronavirus. And I had already planned this prior to that happening in our country and around the world. So I'm believing that each message and each episode of Make Life Matter podcast is strengthening you, especially in this time of concern. And we've already met Rahab and Abigail, and today we're going to find our fearless through the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. We'll discover what happens when uncommon faith has an unexpected encounter with an extraordinary God. If you're new to the Make Life Matter podcast, welcome. Each episode is a game changer, I'm telling you, with unforgettable conversations. If you love a good rescue story as much as I do, be sure to listen to last week's episode. I sat down with author and worship leader Carrie Cardinale as she shared her story of redemption through her struggle with sexual identity. You do not want to miss it. The next week in episode 10, I'm sitting down with Ray Comfort for Out of the Comfort Zone. Ray Comfort is the founder and CEO of Living Waters and the best-selling author of more than 90 books. He co-hosts the award-winning television program, Way of the Master, which airs in every country in the world. He's an executive producer of 180, Evolution versus God, Audacity, and other films. He's a leading Christian apologist and biblical evangelist. You're not going to want to miss him. Statistics show, unfortunately, that only a small percentage of people ever share their faith with others. So today, we'll see how the Samaritan woman at the well defied those odds and became the bridge that led her entire community to Christ. Ray Comfort is going to share with us from his vast ministry experience how we can overcome the barriers that keep us from sharing Christ with others. Well, I want to start by reading an excerpt out of Session 4, which is the Samaritan Woman at the Well in Fearless. The village stirred with the activity of morning routines. A month of abundant rainfall meant a full day for those harvesting barley and grapes. The market bustled with preparations to welcome harried travelers making their way through town. She peered out of the window and thought better of heading to the well just yet. The last thing she wanted was to be drawn into a conversation when she just needed to draw water. She winced and folded her arms tightly across her body. Even the simplest of tasks seemed complicated now, just like everything else in her life. The noonday sun brought relative anonymity. After all, no respectable woman made this long trek in the scorching heat. She let out an awkward laugh. (laughs) I'd rather wilt from heat exhaustion than from one more word of criticism, she thought to herself. She bent low to tie her sandals and ran her fingers over a new callus. Her hands looked weathered far beyond her years. As she hoisted her water pitcher for the journey, she noticed that the pain between her shoulder blades was worse than last week. 
She was so tired of walking this road in more ways than one. She stepped out onto the law. She stepped onto the low wall of limestone rock that surrounded the well and tried to ignore the man resting nearby. But she had no more pulled the rope through the deeply set furrows when he spoke. Will you give me a drink? She was just trying to make it through another day in Sikar. She hadn't gone looking for a cause, but a cause found her. Jesus' longest recorded conversation was with an unnamed woman at a well in Samaria. She's any one of us who've ever felt less than or left out, marginalized or mocked, discriminated against or deemed unworthy. But when she encountered Jesus for the first time in her life, she heard these words, You are not less. She left her water jar and bravely shared her story so an entire community could meet Jesus. Jesus invites us to leave behind anything that's holding us back and follow him. When we refuse to cower to the voice of comparison, we will change our culture. Well, each of my visits to Israel offered their own unique itinerary. However, one thing remains constant, lots of walking. 2,000 years ago, no one enjoyed the luxury of climbing into an air-conditioned bus after a long day. Travel was grueling. With tired legs and a parched throat, Jesus sat down to rest and drink in a small town in Israel called Samaria. He knew that Jews believed they would become ceremonially unclean if they shared the drinking vessel of a Samaritan. But that didn't stop him from his longest recorded conversation in scripture with an unnamed woman at the well. Jesus never allowed man-made barriers to keep him from divine appointments. He knew no one was exempt from grace. He invited her to leave the life she knew and find her identity in him. As we meet this ordinary woman who dared to do extraordinary things, we can find our fearless in her story. In order to understand the significance of this conversation, though, we need to backtrack a little bit through the Old Testament. Scripture first introduces us to this notorious location in Genesis 12 when Abraham built an altar at Shechem. Jacob followed suit in Genesis 33, later constructing a well on that same site. And it's at this well, Jacob's well, that an unnamed woman encountered Jesus. Samaria was the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, and it was a large, splendid city housing the road that served as a major trade route through the area. Well, once it was captured, Israel fell to the Assyrians. Jews faced mass deportations, calculated terror, and concentrated oppression. Samaria eventually became infiltrated by pagan religions as Jews and these other races intermarried. Some Jews remained and others eventually returned and resettled, and they intermarried with all these other foreign cultures. This resulted in a mixed race of people known eventually as the Samaritans. They followed the Torah, which are the teachings of Moses contained in the first five books of the Bible. However, their belief in the one God became contaminated through the introduction of worship to other gods. Witchcraft and child sacrifice found their place alongside their own kind of modified version of the Torah. The Jews considered the Samaritans the lowest of the low, regarding them as the most hated of any race. And at the time of Jesus' ministry throughout the area, the Samaritans were despised by the Jews, so much so, listen, that the Jews avoided the major road, this trade route that ran right through Samaria, and they crossed on the other side of the Jordan River so they wouldn't have to have any involvement with them. The Samaritans were the recipients of deep-seated prejudice. But as Jesus traveled from the Judean desert north to Galilee, he didn't go around them. He traveled straight through a war zone to find one woman. 
This seemingly ordinary moment became a turning point in history. The conversation that followed transformed a broken woman into the first female evangelist. We don't even know her name, but her boldness revolutionized an entire town. That is a remarkable turn of events considering she had a few key strikes strikes against her. She was relegated to the bottom of the social system. She was steeped in sin and she was a Samaritan. She was as hardened as the region she lived in, made bitter by centuries of turmoil. If you've got your Bible or if you're at home in quarantine and you've got your Bible handy, let's look at our story in John chapter 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Well, after a period of teaching and ministering across Judea, Jesus traveled north to Cana. And although the shortest route to Galilee traversed through this heart of Samaria, it was rarely used by the Jews. Jesus knew the area had a long, complicated history. He knew a typical village day started about six in the morning. Yet he chose to travel straight through town at noon in the heat of the day in an area where water was scarce. Listen, Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. He chose to. This was not the act of a malfunctioning GPS or the accidental left turn of a lost tourist. This was an intentional divine setup. We're not sure that Jesus ever sipped a single drop of water from that well, but we do know that he accomplished what he came to do. Scripture goes on to say, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? First, she was a Samaritan, and secondly, she was a woman. A Hebrew man wouldn't talk with a woman in the street, not even his own family. So that alone would have come under strong criticism. But with one simple question, Jesus wasn't just addressing the rampant sexism of the day. He was taking on racial bigotry. Jews refused to handle or consume food or drink touched by a Samaritan. Rabbis taught that if you ate or drank anything produced or held by a Samaritan, it would render you unclean. Well, the Old Testament law taught extensively on this system of clean and unclean. An unclean person had to avoid anything that was considered holy and observe all of these complex steps to return to a state of cleanliness. Well, uncleanness placed a person in dangerous condition, even under threat of divine retribution unto death. Well, she knew full well what it would mean to hand this man a cup. Racism was nothing new to her. She was accustomed to being disregarded and degraded. She barely even noticed anymore when someone shunned her for her lifestyle. Her quick response gave voice to a lifetime of comparison. Look at the scripture again in John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She had been pummeled by prejudice and decimated by a ruined reputation. Yet after so many years of sitting in the mud of marginalization, she stood up. She stood up to speak up. She refused to allow the crippling weight of comparison to keep her from conversation. She was so used to fighting for herself, she could scarcely comprehend the revelation that someone was fighting for her. When Jesus came on the scene, he challenged every religious teaching of the day. He not only spoke well of Samaritans, he healed one of leprosy, and he rebuked two of his disciples for wanting to destroy them with fire in a different passage of scripture. 
He was above all racial prejudices and religious preferences. Jesus knew that this woman, deemed by the world as a lost cause, was a source of untapped kingdom potential. Fear draws a thick dividing line. We tend to avoid what we fear and we sidestep what we don't understand. But we can choose another way. We can love like Jesus. Jesus didn't just fight for her. He fights for us. He fights for every ounce of dormant potential that he sees in us. So we'll step into our calling. He fights for every piece of our heart. So we'll know our worth because when we do, we'll find our fearless and fight for others. Their compelling conversation reveals an important truth about Jesus. He wasn't afraid of anything. Nothing was off limits because nothing mattered more than leading her to salvation. And let me just tell you, nothing matters more to Jesus now, but leading people to salvation. That is the greatest miracle. And that is the heartbeat of our heavenly father. Nothing was off limits, not her gender, not her ethnicity, not her social status, not her secrets, not her questions. Yet while she attempted to focus on temporal things, Jesus continually shifted her attention to the eternal. Although she came to draw water, he came to draw her to a new way of life. John chapter four continues, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, this is the foundation of the great exchange. She offered a limited source of water and he offered an immeasurable and infinite supply. Yet even as slivers of possibility streamed light into her dark places, she couldn't yet see the whole picture. She wanted him to meet a pressing need, but he longed to meet her deepest need. His life was the invitation. Ask me, I'll give you eternal life, Jesus said. In her limited understanding, she requested a lifetime supply of water. And before we shake our heads in disbelief, let's shed some honesty on our own decisions. Isn't that just like us? We're quickly engulfed by the tyranny of the urgent or the quest for convenience. Jesus, just give us a cure. Jesus, just give us a vaccine. Jesus, just make us comfortable. And Jesus wants to give us the greatest miracle of all, and that is eternal life. See, Jesus didn't call us to a life of comfort. He called us to a life of purpose. Thankfully, he doesn't give up when we don't get it. He changes the direction of conversation to challenge our choices. That's exactly what happened in the rest of this passage. Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews teach that the place that we should worship is in Jerusalem. 
Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, listen, Jews taught that a woman might be divorced twice and at most three times. So as women couldn't divorce men, she wore the stigma of rejection and the scarlet letter of adultery. We don't know all the extenuating circumstances, but we do know that she was embarrassed by the depth of her sinful choices. She assumed she was in the presence of a prophet and she became uncomfortable by his knowledge of her immoral lifestyle. As she tried to redirect him to resolve an age-old dispute, he sought to reassure her that the most secret and sacred areas of her life were safe with him. He wanted her to understand that worship isn't a place, it's a posture of the heart. It's not a where, it's a who. Religion is our attempt to get to God, but Jesus is God's attempt to get to man. He wanted her to stop dwelling on religious rules and start developing a relationship with him. She was a hot mess and he didn't let her off the hot seat. He had to expose her sin and clean out the contamination of her heart before she could hold the gift of living water. His words weren't an indictment. They were an invitation. Jesus exposed her sin not to shame her, but to free her. For the first time in her life, she heard this message. You are not less. She looked into his eyes and no longer felt worthless or unloved. She felt significant and valued. This man, he he sees the worst of me and he still wants me. Jesus still extends an invitation to transformation to every single person today. We impact those around us when we let Jesus guide our conversation. I know it's easier sometimes to just put up an argument than to put out a hand. Fear will alienate, but faith engages. When you invite someone to experience relationship rather than religion, the conversation shifts. Let me just encourage you, if you've been living your life by a set of religious rules, and you've never encountered a real relationship with Jesus Christ, this could be your moment. It's not about being good enough. It's not about following a list of rules. It's about accepting the gift of salvation that Jesus offers, and you will experience the relationship that you were created to have. See, the world doesn't need one more debate. It needs Jesus. It needs people who will stand out for the way that they treat others. It needs people who will point people to Jesus so he can quench their thirst. It needs us to talk to people instead of at them. Countless attempts to satisfy the thirst of her soul had only left her dangerously dehydrated. She desperately wanted to believe that her search for significance was over. Even with the Samaritans incomplete knowledge of the first five books of the Old Testament, they anticipated the arrival of the Messiah right along with the Jews. She just had no idea he was sitting right in front of her. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Those three words mark the first time that Jesus openly revealed himself as the Messiah. It wasn't live streamed to every media outlet. It wasn't lauded with a parade. 
It wasn't at a political rally or in a stadium surrounded by 70,000 screaming fans. It was in an intimate conversation with an unnamed woman on an ordinary day. But not just any woman, a woman who believed that the Messiah would come. And when he did, he would clear up all the confusion. He would make everything right. She had the faith to seize the moment and serve as a catalyst for change. I can only imagine her dusty feet that had slowly plodded to the well that day, now ran with purpose back to get her entire community to come and meet this man named Jesus. She refused to cower to the voice of comparison she had listened to all her life and embraced her calling to change a culture. She left her water jar and found her fearless. As the disciples returned from purchasing food, I'm not sure if they were more shocked to see Jesus talking to a woman or to watch this woman dashing back to town. Scripture says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. I want you to just imagine this scene for just a moment. Men and women and children all streaming toward Jesus. And they were led by a woman who dared to believe it was possible. All the critics were silenced. All the arguments were gone. And while the crowd made its way to Jesus, he made a point to the disciples. Remember, they had gone to another town to get food because they would not eat the food made or prepared by a Samaritan. Jesus, paraphrasing, said this, Don't you have a saying that it's still four months until the harvest? Look, see all those people coming this way? The the harvest is here. This town full of the people you didn't think deserve the good news. They will hear it straight from me. They're ready for my message. This is what I came to do. Although the disciples missed the opportunity to seize this moment, she didn't. She commanded everyone's attention and introduced them to Christ because she bravely shared her story. An entire town met Jesus. The conclusion of our story in John chapter four says this. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more believed in him. They said to the woman, we are no longer believers just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. She didn't just leave her water jar at the well that day. She let go of the sin that held her captive and the cycle of comparison that held her back. You see, she could have weaponized that moment in retaliation against those who had hurt her and kept it to herself. But the instant she realized Jesus was the Messiah, and she experienced the truth of his love, she didn't think twice about sharing it with others. Her entire community urged him to stay with them for two days. We can follow her lead and invite Jesus to stay. She stood strong as a powerful witness and the first female evangelist recorded in the New Testament. The book of Acts continues what she started. Four years later, Philip the evangelist walked through the door that she opened to bring salvation to many in the region. And I I can't help but wonder as I say that, maybe you're the door that somebody else is going to walk through. You being obedient, you saying yes, you taking the next step. Who needs to hear your story? 
If you've had an encounter with Christ, bring someone else along with you. Don't get derailed by meaningless arguments. Stick to your story. Tell people how Jesus changed your life and become a catalyst for change in theirs. Everyone is thirsty. We carry an insatiable yearning for the eternal because we were created in the image of God. Nothing else will fill that void but Jesus. Everyone deserves the opportunity to hear the same life-changing words that Jesus said to her, you are not less. Our heroine is simply the unnamed woman, but that's part of the point. The Samaritan woman says everything we need to know. She's any one of us who've ever felt less than or left out. See, raw emotions can hijack our best intentions and build barriers between us and others. But Jesus never allowed man-made barriers to keep him from divine appointments. When we refuse to cower to the voice of comparison, we change a culture. Let's go out of our way to reach people instead of going around them. Let's stop avoiding what we don't understand and start building relationships. That's how we'll build bridges and bring people to Christ. It all begins with a conversation. You don't have to wait until you've gotten it all together. Listen, none of us do. Bring all the things, all the things that are worrying you, all the things that you think are your secrets, those things that she had to finally bear her soul with him in that conversation. Sit and have a gut-wrenchingly honest conversation with Jesus. Talk it out so it doesn't take you out. He'll change us in his presence so we can become a catalyst for change in our world. Nothing replaces a face-to-face encounter. Jesus didn't write a text or sling judgment through a computer screen. He didn't glance at his overscheduled calendar and send someone else in his place. He sat in the dirt with one person who needed his full attention. Jesus dropped everything to welcome her home. So what about us? Are we trying to win an argument or win someone to Christ? See, we love like Jesus when we start a conversation instead of a debate. We love like Jesus when we want to do right more than we want to be right. Our personal war zones may not look like a town in the heart of the Middle East, but they might look like our social media channels and our offices and our homes. Let's bring Jesus into these conversations and invite him to stay. The Samaritan woman made the most of her unexpected encounter with Jesus. She immediately left what was familiar to her to step far outside her comfort zone. Her story became the bridge that enabled an entire town to cross over to Jesus. Once we encounter Jesus, we are never the same. Your ordinary moments can become divine opportunities to share your story. The enemy wants us to believe the lie that something disqualifies us from telling others about Jesus. He disparages us for our lack of knowledge of scripture. He belittles us because of our past. He wants us to remain isolated and ineffective. A Samaritan woman didn't have a pristine reputation or a master's degree in theology, and you don't need it either. What she did have, however, was a story. She left her water jar and she found her fearless in him. I imagine her story sounded something like this. You have to come with me. I just met Jesus, the Messiah. He's here at the well, at our well. Hurry, get your family. Come on, follow me. I can't even describe it. He knew everything about me and he still offered to give me eternal life. All I had to do was ask him. I cannot wait for you to meet him too. I wonder what does your invitation sound like? Right now, people are hurting 
They need your hope. They need encouragement. Maybe you're the one hurting today and you need to know that no matter where you are, Jesus can find you. Jesus can meet you. Jesus is extending an invitation for you to have relationship with him, to leave behind everything that is holding you captive and to move forward into the type of relationship you were created to have with your savior, your redeemer, the lover of your soul, the one who knows you better than anyone and will love you better than anyone. So what does your invitation sound like if you've accepted Christ? Simply share Jesus. Your story may be the bridge that brings someone else to freedom. When you experience the love of Jesus, you can love like Jesus. And if you've never experienced the love of Jesus, all you have to do is simply say, Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I am lost without you. I'm asking you right now to to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to take over all every broken place in me. Lord, would you just saturate me with your presence so that I can finally have the relationship that I was born to have with you. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. And you will experience the transformational power of the blood of Jesus. It's greater than any virus. It's greater than any concern. It's greater than your fear. His love is so far-reaching Paul says we can't even grasp how high, how wide, how how tall, how far-reaching is the love of God. And just that far-reaching are your sins when you encounter the love of God. He doesn't even remember them anymore. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. It is all washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. So don't wait another second. This is your invitation to encounter him today to stop living a life of fear and find your fearless in Christ. And if you have found your fearless, if you know who you are in Christ, I ask you, I plead with you, share your story on any platform you have so that we can be the bridge that leads others to Christ. I just want to end our time today by praying over you, thanking you for the time that we've had together in this series and finding our fearless and every conversation. I'm telling you, don't miss these upcoming, upcoming conversations. They are life changing. I love you guys. I'm praying for you guys. I'm believing God to meet you in powerful ways as you seek him. Jesus, we thank you for finding us at our well. Thank you for your invitation to relationship with you and eternal life. Help us to be bold to share our story and the truth of your love. For any listener who has believed a less than lie, I ask you to remind us that we are bought with the precious blood of Jesus and loved unconditionally. Open our eyes to see the harvest in front of us and share our story with others. Help us to dare to dream revival in our community and let it start with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected, so be sure to visit AngelaDenadio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at AngelaDenadioBOV and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. 
If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.